Thank you so much, Rosalind and the band. Of course, Paulos and the crew is a day that I will never forget. Um, it's great to see everyone here. Uh, for those who are new and who don't know me, I'm Abby, as you heard, and I have the privilege of being a, a part of the leadership team here playing the role of one of the pastors and the other one, my colleague, the one who was washing my feet, Paulos. Uh, it's great to be uh, able. Um, we have been journeying through the Psalms and we have just jumped because of the nature of the day. Um, join me in prayer before we listen to what the Lord has. Father, as Kara prayed before we started the service in that room, we pray that you particular minister to those who don't feel like being here. Because of what the week has been and what lies ahead. But we also pray that you minister to all of us by the power of your spirit. Reveal Christ to us, O Holy Spirit. May he be glorified. Use me as a mere vessel to communicate your word, O oh Lord, faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know what um, song has meant a lot to you since we started the service this morning. Think a moment. We sang quite a few of them. Which one just went straight to your heart? The truth is, we all may be singing well, some with loud voices and hands up, Others with croaky voices. Others don't feel like singing. But the significant, the relevance, and even the meaning of each song we sing depends on our individual circumstances where we are in. And I don't know which song also has been crossing your mind this week or even when you woke up this morning. King Jesus sang a wonderful song with his disciples. A hymn that meant or must have been a 
must have meant a lot to him. And perhaps not to the same extent to the disciple who was singing with him, who was singing with him. And that song or that hymn is none other than Psalm 118. If you come with me for a moment to Mark chapter 14, verse 26. There is this phrase, and sometimes those who are into the Bible, they know this. Mark 14, 26. And this is after the Passover meal. We are told that when a day Jesus and his disciples had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. The question is, which hymn did they sing? Now, the people who are into the Bible, they know that eh, during the Passover meal, they used to sing what is called the Hallel Psalms, which start from Psalm 113 to 118. And so these Psalms were sung a bit at the beginning of Passover meal and a bit at the end of Passover meal. Two at the beginning, the first two one, 113, 114, and then from 115 all the way to 118 were sung at the end of Passover meal. And these Psalms are, were there or are there to remind them or mark God's salvation that started all the way from Egypt. And so when the Lord Jesus sang this hymn, it's most likely that Psalm 118 was the last psalm that he sang before he went out to face the cross. And so today is Palm Sunday. Tomorrow, God willing, we are starting the Holy Week where we journey with Jesus to the cross. And so it is appropriate that we sing this song with Jesus. Imagine Jesus singing this psalm in the face of his painful suffering when he was about to be betrayed, falsely accused, tried by sinful men, disowned by his own people, mocked, rejected, punished unjustly, insulted, abused, sneered, spat at him, struck in his face, wearing a crown of thorns, torn, beaten, bearing the weight 
of our sins and the opposition of the world nailed to the cross. And when he was thirsty, no one could give him water to quench his thirst, rather a sponge soaked in wine vinegar. And eventually died. And then he's singing this song just a few hours away from facing all this. How much a few of the words of this song, if not all of them, must have meant it to him, as he, the perfect one, the innocent one, sang them out on that night before. As I've been praying and studying this passage, I was led to look at it with you this morning in the light of Jesus' suffering and death and draw some encouragement, calmness, comfort, courage, hope, strength, and be inspired as it did for King Jesus. It is also refreshing to know that this psalm not only meant a lot to Jesus, but through the ages, many people have been helped by reading this psalm. To give you an example, Martin Luther, speaking in the hours of his darkness, said this, I quote, this is my beloved son. Although the entire Psalter and all the Holy Scriptures are dear to me as my only comfort and source of life, I fell in love with this psalm especially. Therefore, I call it my own. When emperors and kings, the wise and the learned, and even the saints could not aid me, this psalm proved a friend, and helped me out of many great troubles. As a result, it is dearer to me than all the wealth and the honor and the power of the Pope and the emperor. I wouldn't be most unwilling to tread this psalm for all of it. Wow. Psalm 118. Why was so meaningful to even Martin Luther? And why was so meaningful to Jesus? And why it could be so meaningful to us? And so as I study this, I find that there are reassurance that were given by Jesus to Jesus as he sang this in the face of all that he was uh, about uh, to face. You know, friends, it's important in life uh, sometimes, even when we know the stuff, to be reaffirmed, to be reassured, and to say, I know that, but maybe it comes in a fresh way to us. And so this morning, as we listen to this reassurance, 
It is my prayer and hope that we be encouraged, strengthened, find a hope, and be comforted, and uh, be inspired. I discovered these a few reassurance. But you know what? Before even Jesus sang this song, we can note with Mark and the other gospel that this song has already been heard itself previously in a few days that when Jesus has already embarked as he went to Calvary. And for instance, we see these two verses, you know, where it says, Hosanna, or Lord, save us. This is exactly what on a Palm Sunday, the people who welcome the procession of the king were saying. Also, we have the next verses, or verse 23, were also heard as Jesus was questioned in his authority. So before even Jesus sang this, this psalm has already been heard a couple of times. I shall come back to this later. But here are, at least there are so many, but I came to just a narrow, or the Lord was drawing me to these four reassurance that were given to King Jesus and which also we need. Number one, as he sang this song, King Jesus was reassured of being heard. When hard pressed, the psalmist say, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. At a place he says, I was answered. Now, Immediately after Jesus sang, there was this darkest hour of his life. And when he sang this, he's thinking, my goodness, I know that my father always hear me, but I can still cry out to him again. And after that verse of Mark 14 we read, the next bit is with he we see and we hear Jesus crying out in Gethsemane as the intensity of uh, agony and sorrow as he was overwhelmed. But he was assured that he will be heard. The pastor to the Hebrews tells us that uh, in that place called Gethsemane, as Jesus prayed, Jesus offered up prayers and petition with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Can you imagine Jesus saying three times, I don't want you face this bitter cup. Help me, oh my father. Remove this. But not as I will, but as you will. 
according to the pastor to the Hebrews, he was heard. And even that verse. But the question is, yes, you know, sometimes in our language, being heard can be different of, uh, or slightly different of uh, being given an answer. So he was heard. But what, what the answer was he given? As he cried out, remove this. All we hear from the Bible, there was a silence. The same happened to him at the cross when he cried, my God, my God, why have forsaken me? The only answer he heard, again, silence. Friends, when you meet Jesus at the cross, you are meeting someone who can feel your pain. He experienced your pain, including the silence which you get to your prayers. And something much worse. When you meet Jesus at the cross, you meet a man, a person who knows what it means to be utterly forsaken. But the back of your mind, I can still cry to the Lord because he hears me. Well, the cry was very deep to the point that the gospel writer tells us that there was a great bloody drops of sweat fell from his brow. Now you may ask, if Jesus did not get what he asked for, why pray? You might also think Jesus did not need to pray. But it's important to know there's something human here where Jesus in his humanity is crying out because the pain is so intense. And prayer became his only refuge. But there's a lesson we can learn. One of them is a real prayer in this year of prayer is absolute self-surrender. But also an absolute correspondence with the mind, the character, and the will of God. We are living in a society where we don't want to surrender because uh, the society is so unsafe, we don't want to lose control. But actually, the real prayer is that we may surrender to the one who is utterly in control, rather than uh, to us who think, I can hold a little bit of this. Though he wasn't given the answer he asked for, there is something reassuring for us this morning that he was heard. Because Luke tells us in Luke 24, 22 verse 43, that he was given an angel from heaven and came 
To do what? To strengthen him. As he courageously accepted the bitter cup from the father's hand. In other words, it is in communion with the father through prayer that we are heard and are given sufficient strength for the fierce conflict and struggle we face as Jesus was strengthened to face what was ahead of him. We might not get what we are asking for, but through prayer, there is this reassurance that we are heard and are given strength to face our tomorrows. There are many times in my time, I've prayed, I've prayed, I've prayed, and I did not get what I asked for. But there is some strength given to me. That's why we need to be encouraged to keep praying, friends. Someone says, I quote, every life has its Gethsemane, and every Gethsemane has its angel. I like that. In your circumstances, there's always be an angel somehow to strengthen you even when you don't get. And this is uh, encouraging to us when we wrestle and pray about a difficult and costly decision to know that we will be strengthened. Number two, King Jesus was reassured he knew that, but he was reassured of God's unfailing presence and help. Look at that verse. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me, and he is my helper. Look in triumph on my enemies. What a source of calmness, deep peace, and comfort. This must have been to Jesus to be reassured as he sang this song that God was on his side. Knowing that he could face life free from fear. Even when he was arrested, even when he was being deserted by those who loved him, the people he ate with when he was being tried by sinful people, surrounded by enemies, including death, free from fear, as he was being going to be painfully nailed to the cross, he was reassured that he was not going to be completely abandoned by his father because the Lord is with me. He sang. Yes, friends, Jesus did cry to God on the cross. Yes, he did experience separation and alienation from God as a result of our sin. Yes, he was forsaken on the cross, but he was not forsaken forever. That's the difference. 
This being forsaken at the cross when he cried out, it was only momentary. Because later on we hear that he prayed again, say, my father, into your hand I commit my spirit. There was still that bond. And so in this time he was heard and the father received the spirit. In other words, Jesus knew that whether in life or in death, the Lord is with me. Sometimes it is very difficult to be a Christian because everybody will desert you. And I know people here who are facing some time in loneliness. Maybe you can draw some encouragement to know the Lord is with me, even when all have abandoned me. Even when all have forsaken me. At the cross alone, I was not forsaken forever. You feel abandoned. You feel forsaken. May you know, King Jesus was not forsaken forever. Neither will you be forsaken forever. I can dare to say this, that God will only forsake sinners if they don't repent. But he will not forsake you if you come and meet him at the cross. In fact, he promised that I will always bear with you. And think about his promise to disciples even the last minute. Do not be afraid. Trust in God. Trust also in me. For in my father's house, there are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I come, I want you to be with me where I am. Forever, friends, we shall be with the Lord. And maybe you feel like your home doesn't like you anymore. And the society is becoming hostile to you. And you don't feel you don't belong anywhere. Or you have one who is there with you forever. I nearly sang this, but I leave it for another time. I am not alone. Do you know that song? You will go before me. I will never be alone. Let me go to the third one quickly, because the time is going. King Jesus was reassured of life after death. I will not die, but live. Wow, what a powerful. When, when he's singing this, knowing just a few hours away, he was going to die. By his proclaiming boldly, being reassured, I will not die. In other words, even when he was facing death, he knew that death would not keep hold of him. The reality is, we know that he suffered, 
He the perfect one, the innocent one. He willingly accepted the cup from the Father's will. He bore our sins. And the question Barbara say, what the kids asked, why did Jesus ask to die? And think of him wearing the weight of my sin, your sin, because we hear from the Bible that God made him to be seen. Him who had no sin. And for us, He was pierced for our transgression, crushed for our iniquity. And the punishment that gives us peace was upon him. Even when he went through that suffering, I will not die. I will live. By the way, if you want to know what God thinks about a sin, and what you will do and can do about a sin, then look to Jesus on the cross and listen to the pain. That's what sinners like me and you deserve. The wrath of God, the cross, the punishment. But praise be to the Lord Jesus who took my sin away. This should strike not only fear, but also should stir our heart for thanks, thankfulness that God did this. As in the hymn, I think by, um, what is what her name again? Um, Stuart Turnhead and um, Keith Beatty. You know that hymn? This is the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us. He took the blame, bore the wrath. As a result, we stand forgiven at the cross. Through his suffering, I am free. Death is crushed to death. Life is mine to live. Born through the selfless love. This is the power of the cross. And what does it demand? It demands the response like in the words of Isaac. What say, oh love is so amazing, oh love is so divine. This demands my soul and my all. But you know what? Even though he died, he already sang, I will not die, I will live. He rose from the dead. Not far away from here, it is just here in Dundee, Mary McChain, Ma Mary, yes, Robert Mary McChain. He was a powerful minister here in, in Dundee, in St. Peter's church. He came to faith. Because the resurrection is so important, friends. He came to faith when his brother, who was a Christian, died. And his brother was so influential to his life. And then he was shocked that this brother died. 
And he felt and left bewildered. And so he started seeking for a brother who will never die. And he found that in Jesus. You know, you and I have a brother who will never die. And, and, and us in this brother, we can say each, I will not die. I will live. Yes, I will die. They're going to bury me one day. And perhaps some of you guys are going to bury me one day. Who knows? But I will live. Because anyone who is in Christ will never die. And Jesus said, the resurrection, when he spoke to disciples, after they sang, he said, now listen, this night you'll all fall away from me because something terrible is going to happen. Look, read again Mark 14 and 27 and down. And then he said, but... After I have risen, he knew he's going to rise. After I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Our risen Christ precedes us in every tomorrow of our lives. Last but not least, he was reassured of a notable marvelous and great reversal of circumstances. He, as he sang this, the stone the builder rejected has become the cornerstone. Wow! We know in the Bible that he was despised. Jesus, he was despised. He was rejected. But what a comfort he must have given to him to know that uh, from being humiliated, from being rejected, he was going to be exalted to the right hand of the Father. From being nothing to being someone who sits above all things and given a name that is above all names. Oh, our God is in a business of reversing the circumstances of people in our lives. Let me tell you, if you are a Christian, do you know something has happened to you? The Bible tells us that once upon a time we were dead, but now we are made alive and been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We may not feel it that we are above all the things, but that's the reality in the spiritual realm. Christ, who went through this being despised, he's also in the business of reversing the opinion and circumstances of people. And God, only God can do that. Now let me just conclude with a few thoughts. When you hear this and look at your own circumstances, I hope you are encouraged and given a hope and given a strength that uh, there is this assurance, 
I can go and cry to the Father, I will be heard. Even though I don't get what I ask, but there is a strength I can get. I am being reassured here that I will never be left alone. I am being reassured here that I will never die even when life is becoming tough. I am being reassured here that my situation can just change. Beginning, if you are not yet a Christian, I will implore you, give your life to the Lord. Because there is a transfer that can just happen in that moment from the kingdom of darkness, from being a slave to sin, to being free and belong to Christ forever. My time has gone. I need to close. Let me say two or three things shortly. Number one, can I encourage you to go home and read again this psalm and put yourself in your own circumstances and pick up some of these reassurances. There are other many there which you can find encouragement so that you too can say like Martin Luther, this is my beloved psalm. It means a lot to me. Number two, You may not feel singing this because of your circumstances, but let me tell you, this song one day shall be sung again. I don't have time to tell you where it is. That's your homework. Find it. It shall be sung one day again when the king of kings return in glory. But until that day, let's join the chorus of these people who are saying, your love endures forever. In other words, in the words of the hymn writer, I stand amazed in the presence of the Lord and wonder why he could love me, a sinner, Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful it is. But with that, I can say, you are my God. You are my king. I dedicate again anew my life to you. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the assurance that you give us in this world that is uncertain and shaking to know that at any time we can come to you. Grant us the grace and the mercy and the privilege to sit at the feet of Jesus and marvel 
at all that he went through and cry out to him, Hallelujah, what a Savior. But also today, we cry, say, Hosanna, come Lord and save us. You who went to that garden of Gethsemane and paid the price to set us free. Come and save us. Amen.